Hey, what's going on, good people? This is Gardner Douglas, and yes, I'm your Oyster Ninja. This is the Oyster Ninja Podcast, and uh, today we have a great show lined up for you. Uh, we're going to talk to the Chess Beat Bay Mermaid, or Chessie, as she likes to be called, and um, she's doing great things for the Bay. Um, she's going to tell you all about it, and she's going to tell you a lot of things that you can even do to help out the Chess Beat Bay. And for you guys, you know, who, you know, a lot of people have contacted me. Hey, what can I do to help out? Well, this is, you know, of course, local to the Chesapeake Bay. So if you're in the area or if, even if you want to travel and help, there's something going on every weekend that I that find, I found out, you know, um, through the last couple podcasts, uh, whether it's with some of the uh, Riverkeeper Foundations or Chesapeake Bay Mermaid. Um, there's so many uh, groups out there that's trying to do great things for the band. I guess you just gotta love it, you know. But um, yeah, the Chess Beat Bay Mermaid. I know some of you are even wondering where does she come from. You're gonna find it out. Don't worry about it. You're gonna find it out. Some of you might be saying mermaids really exist. Yes, they do because we're gonna talk to her today. Uh, Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, also want to put out, I got some Oyster Ninja shucking knives. So if you're interested and you would like one, hey, shoot me an email, OysterNinjaPC at Gmail. Probably should have said that at the end, but hey, enjoy the show. Let me know what you think. Hi. I'm the Chesapeake Mermaid. How are you today? She is the Chesapeake Bay Mermaid. <laughs> so, uh, what do I call you? Chesapeake Bay Mermaid or Miss Mermaid? Or? You can call me Chesapeake, Chessie, some people call me. Chessie, I like yeah. that. It's very catchy. Yeah, my name is actually pronounced underwater, so it's not something that humans can do too easily. So, right. um, Chesapeake Mermaid is what the people have named me, and so it's, you know, I like it. Sounds good. It's friendly. It works. No doubt. It's very, uh, it's very you. Thank you. Because you have that, I like chess. Chess is nice. Yeah. So, uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? I know you're the Chesapeake Bay Mermaid, but what do you do? What do I do? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm, I reluctant to call myself an environmentalist. I'm, I'm really just, I'm a volunteer. I'm helpful. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, just like everybody else. I mean, I know I've got a tail, and you know, some people are like, "Oh, you're so magical," and everything like that. But you know, really, I don't, I don't see that in myself. I, I see myself as just being a member of the public. I love the Chesapeake region. This is my home. It's a beautiful place. You can't take a bad picture of it, you know. And um, I've seen it through a lot of changes. I'm almost 400 years old now, and um, you know, it's it's been good times here in the bay but you know we've we've got a lot of work to do so um when i met my friend larvey um him and i came up and we decided we wanted to to reach out to the people to um communicate about some of the stuff that we've seen and some of the changes that have happened over time and uh see if we can't build some bridges and solve some problems you know i don't have any solutions but i do have experiences to share and i've been really interested in reaching out, meeting new people. So I, I attend events, and I meet the public, and I tell them my story. Um, families and children um, are usually um, more prone to approaching a mermaid, so right. that tends to be my bigger audience. But 
um, you know, I've done dinner parties and things like that too, and um, everybody I've met has just been really, really wonderful in, in talking about the bay, and, and I focus on oysters, really, um, because I see that as, as the foundation for making the biggest changes in our habitats and our wildlife, so. Wow. There you go. That's deep. <laughs> that's, that's one of the best intros I think I've heard. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. And that just, that just that's came right off the tail. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You have a nice laugh. I, I like, you know, I like hearing people laugh. It's fun. I think people don't laugh enough. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Well, that's how, you know, real life tries and, you know, takes your joy. But I'm glad you're spreading the joy. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Um, so you said you were 400 years old. Yeah. What What are some of the biggest changes you've seen in the Chesapeake Bay? Um. Well, you know, it's it's gotten a lot more crowded. It used to be just, um, you know, uh, a scattering of people, but a, a, a whole lot of um, whole lot of wildlife, you know. And now we've got a lot more built up around here. We've gone from you know little tiny colonial towns to um, great big cities. A lot more things have gone on, and you know, just in my lifetime, I've I've seen a difference in the in the clarity of the water, and um, you know, the the um, the different different types of fish. You know, we've gotten some uh, new species here that we hadn't seen before, and oh, wow. um, certainly the 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 bottom of the Chesapeake Bay, which a lot of the people don't see, has changed a lot. We've done a lot to to change the bottom of the Chesapeake Bay. It's a whole different landscape than what there had been before. So um, I know there's a lot of people right now that are uh, studying even the archaeology of the bay to find out historically where some of those old oyster reefs um, wow. used to be. But um, yeah, you know, now that people are so interested in oysters, it gives me a really great opportunity to talk to them about why it's not so easy to build an oyster reef, but why it's so important that we should learn about it and discover all of the things that we need um, to be able to improve the water quality, to be able to improve those habitats and, and bring back some of those animals that um, have disappeared, some of those um, you know, critters and trees and fish and things like that that we've, that we've lost and figure out a new balance. It's not going to be the same as it used to be. It'll never be the same. So I'm not interested in turning back time, mm -hmm. but I am interested in finding a new balance. Okay. All right. So yeah, you know, there's a lot of people out there that talk about restoration. What is that? You know, what point do we go back to restore it to? And, you know, I'm really careful when I use those words, you know, because I, I don't have those answers. But I do know that there's an imbalance. There's a lot of um, uh, time and involvement and, and money spent trying to maintain certain things that are, are difficult that are, you know we're struggling with things like excess sediment excess um, nitrogen and phosphorus in the water um, and things like that and so you know working towards common goals I think is going to be um, the new future it's really it's really more about people than it is about the environment and the closer we become the better the environment is going to be wow so we've had our first african-american president mm -hmm. we've had our first entertainer president mm -hmm. what about the first mermaid president <laughs> mermaid president i'm just saying like <laughs> i'd vote for you 
Well, you know, I've, I've heard the president has quite an entourage, and, and as a mermaid on land, I have to have quite an entourage, too. <laughs> I can't get around on my own. You know how they always say, like, the president has, doesn't have anything in his pocket? Right, right. You know, they've, yeah. they've asked before, you know, and they reach in, and they're like, oh, you know. It's just, you know, fuzzballs and dust and things like that. Um, yeah, I think the mermaid wouldn't have anything in her pockets either. <laughs> it's pretty difficult getting around on land. But, um, you know, I, I, I used to have a nice little grotto made out of lots of, of shell, but I've actually donated a lot of my shell to shell recycling. If you notice, that, that there's a lot of art out there. There's even some other mermaids around. Um, but you see a lot of times they're wearing shells, you know, shell necklaces, shell tops and mm -hmm. things like that. And, you know, I've, I've traded all of that in. I've given everything that I have to the bay and, you know, I, I let everybody know that, you know, you won't see me wearing shells. Um, because, you know, we, we really have a shell shortage, right? you know? Right. And so in working towards that, I want to be a good example. So is that, am I ready, ready for president? I don't know. <laughs> Um, but, you know, certainly if people stood behind me, I, I really feel like together we could do anything. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you spoke a little bit about uh, the different, the new species to the bay, uh, like fish. Mm -hmm. um, like what type or and uh, what are, are they causing harm to the bay? Like the new fish species that you talked about? There are, there's some invasive species. There's some invasive species shellfish. Okay. Um, uh, zebra mussels, you know, have been a problem. You may have heard about them. You know, they're they're really trying to um, check and make sure that um, boats and ballasts and things that are traveling throughout the areas aren't bringing in harmful species. A lot of a lot of the invasive species that we currently have have come from ship ballast. Um, a lot of people don't know that. Some of them have actually been introduced by science. You know, um, in trying to restore some of our shellfish reefs that we have when they when they realized um, we had a problem. Some of the scientists brought in and, and started um, trying to crossbreed some Pacific oysters, my understanding. Mm -hmm. um, and that's part of how we ended up with MSX and Dermo, um, you know, which ended up being a lot more trouble than, <laughs> right. you know, the... the, the um, the restoration that we were trying to to achieve. So yeah, when we when we bring in these new species, when we bring in um, different things, just with what we're doing with our day to day lives, um, we're we're really making changes in places that we we don't always foresee, we don't even always understand, and that's a big reason why um, I try to tell people I don't I don't know everything, I don't have all the answers, right. you know. But this is this is a journey. And I want people to come along and join me for that journey so we can learn together, so we can grow together. We've all, we're all going to make our mistakes. Right. And, um, you know, one of the things that I find so interesting, you spend time on the Internet, right? A little bit. Yeah, okay. I've, <laughs> I've got my website and I've got my, my Facebook. I do a lot of fun stuff with, with my audience. But, um, you know, there's um, posts that go up sometimes from, um, you know, the Big Fish, Chesapeake Bay Foundation, or Chesapeake Bay Program. And every once in a while, you'll see a troll. You'll see somebody be like, oh, why didn't you do that before? Or, hey, why didn't you spend money on something else, you know? But you know what I've done? I've reached out to those people. And I've said, hey, I'm the Chesapeake Mermaid. And I'm really curious why you said that. Why do you have these feelings? And, you know, it's opened up a whole other world to me. I have met people 
in amazing places that have done amazing things. And you know what? Some of these people are just looking to be heard, to be mm-hmm. understood. They don't feel like they have a place, you know. But what I notice is that we all have in common. Guess what it is? Okay. We all want to help the bay. And so, you know what? I really want to emphasize that. You know, okay. whether or not we are for or against eating fish or shellfish, whether or not, um, you know, we're scientists or watermen or, or whatever it is that we've come from. If we've moved from another area and we find this home or whether we've lived here our whole lives, you know, we need to put all those differences aside. Right. And we need to start talking about what we have in common. And it's going to be so much better, I think, once we all start to make that progress and understand one another. Whew. Where do I vote at? Wow. So what's a day in the life at the Chesapeake Bay Mermaid? Day in the life? Wow. You or what's know? the average day or a fun day? Or... Oh, I don't think I have an average day. Do you have any hard days? What was that? Do you have any hard days? Do I have hard days? Oh, absolutely. You know, I've I've done a lot of restoration work around the Bay with a lot of really helpful citizens, a lot of people out there doing things, different organizations, different groups. Um, you know, I've built oyster castles. That's, that's pretty hard work right there. You know, you get a line of people and, uh, you know, you've got a, a soft, mushy bottom and you're all stacking, you know, 30, 40-pound bricks on top of each other. Um, right. You know, I've been out on boats when we've been... Um, we've got spat on um, uh, uh, reef balls right. that we've built, and we're we're putting them in, and you know there's a lot of hydraulics and stuff like that. But everybody is there and trying to like guide things and, and coordinate stuff and and running around on the boats. Um, you know we we've done a lot of different things. Uh, yeah, definitely a, a life a day in the life of a mermaid is 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 not anything that I would consider typical. But, you know, in addition to working on the water, I also work on land. I work with um, habitats and stuff with the, the different park services. So what then, um, you know, uh, grass planting on, mm-hmm. on the dunes to try to help erosion. Um, I've also done tree planting. You know, all of those things to help uh, get some of the, the uh, stormwater runoff from the uh, the parking lots, the shopping centers, the communities, things like that. Um, you know, adding all of that organic stuff back in on the coast helps the water, right. right? Because it's all part of the same thing. So I've got all kinds of models and things like that that I show the kids as well. Wow. It really is just a big circle. It is. You know, a revolving circle. So have you found any uh, treasures? Have I found treasures? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, what what age group is your audience? I've, I found <laughs> I've found some naughty things in the Chesapeake Bay. I don't, I'm not sure what oh some of these gosh. people are doing out there. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll share. <laughs> I'm not sure I should talk about some of those. I found a tiny little tin container from the 1930s that um, seafaring gentlemen used to carry. Um, Little sheepskin devices, we'll say. Um, <laughs> that was, yeah. I guess there were a lot of sailors back in the day doing some, uh, doing some exciting things Extra out work. there in the water. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's about as as well censored as I can make that story. You you grown ups will understand. Um, that's yeah, probably man. the funniest thing. 
that I found wow. in the bay. But you know, I I found fossils. Oh, wow. I found um, a vertebrae, a backbone from a dolphin oh, wow. that is 23 million years old, approximately. Of approximately course. 23 of years old. And wow. I couldn't date that myself. I I actually brought it to the scientists at the Calvert Marine Museum and had them check it out. Was so. that like under silt or was it like out and about or on oh, the shore? Oh, it was over or? by. If you go over by Calvert Cliff. That's one of the best places in the Chesapeake Bay to look for fossils. And, you know, during areas like now, you know, the this, this storm just passed with all the wind. Right. And we have this really, really low tide. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. Like, all the water just practically drained away. Mm -hmm. And you can go far, far further out than you had ever been before. And you can find all of these things that, that get turned up in, in the rocks and in the silts and um all over on the coastline. Shark teeth. Oh, yeah. You like shark teeth? Of course, of yeah. course. Yeah. Everybody's always looking for that megalodon teeth, right. that great big thing. Yeah. I haven't found one yet. What's, what's the best time to go down to the cliffs? What's the best time? The best time well, to go down. Well, you know, down. if you go down um, early on Saturday mornings, a lot of times they have scientists out there that do talks that can help show you around, that can help identify what you find. And I always encourage people to come for some of those fossil hunts. I think it's a, it's a really exciting introduction to the Calvert right. Cliffs area. Oh, man. Yeah. My son is going to go crazy. <laughs> so um, did you take, like, the whole uh, backbone or spot? What did you, how did you describe it? was a vertebrae. Oh, it's just, just a vertebrae. It's a one piece. Okay of uh, what would have been its spine. Right, okay, I got you now. Yeah, and the only thing we know is that it was an adult because the discs on either side of the spine have fully grown in mm -hmm. to the bone, and you can see the markings from it, but other than that, we really can't tell all that much. That is so interesting. Yeah. Wow, that is a treasure. That is a treasure. It's a better treasure than the first treasure. <laughs> the first one's just pretty funny, isn't it? Right, that's kind of, <laughs> wow. So how can the average person help? I know you say you're part of all these organizations. Like yeah. How can we find out about these type of things and, you know, sign up? Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad you asked. Great. I'm so excited to share this. Well, I just set up my new website, and it has a huge events calendar. It also has a resource page of a lot of the other organizations that I partner with. And really the challenging thing is that all of them sort their events in different ways. So I've kind of aggregated all of that data into one big calendar. And it, we haven't quite worked out all our bugs yet. Like I said, we just set it up. Um, but it's going to it's going to be a great resource for everybody. But there's stuff out there, you know, from the Nature Conservancy. They can um, whether they help plant trees or they build reefs or I mean even help clean up parks. You know, we we do cleanups as well, beach and, and community cleanups. Um, there's a lot. Of, there's still a lot of illegal dumping. You know, you'd be surprised how many times you go behind a shopping center and you find like a, a sectional. You know, right. like a whole couch or, or bird baths or, or, you know, an old refrigerator. I don't know how these things end up down there on their own. You'd think they just sprout legs. If I knew how to just sprout legs, I'd be doing much better things <laughs> with my time than just finding my way to a creek. But apparently this is what the refrigerators do on land. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, check out my website, chesapeakemermaid.com. And I'm all over social media. On Twitter, I'm Chessie Mermaid. Chessie. Um, and on uh, Instagram, I'm Chesapeake Mermaid. On Facebook, I'm Chesapeake Mermaid. Um, I do my best to share events as soon as I hear about them. But, you know, it's not all hard work. We do play 
as well. And I do share a lot of dinners and festivals that support um, oyster restoration, that support uh, wildlife and habitat. So even if you're a hard worker during the day, maybe maybe you've already given as much as you can. You can come out and have some, you know, have some have some oysters and have a nice drink and and party it up with all of us merfolk. <laughs> so as as a Chesapeake mermaid, what's your diet like? What's my diet like? Yeah. Oh, you know, that's a great question. I have kids come up, ask me all the time that are kind of curious and also kind of concerned at the same time. You know, <laughs> do you eat fish? Right. And the truth is, yes, personally, personally, I do eat fish and I do eat shellfish. I love I love oysters. I love crabs. I mean, I, I grew up around here, so, you know, it's, it's as much part of my background as it is anything else. But I think the question is, what do I advocate? And that seems to be a really curious thing. And it's a good question to ask. And you know what? I really don't have an answer. And even though I do oyster recycling and I do encourage everybody to mm -hmm. put everything back in the bay, the best thing that I can tell children is that what you choose to eat is a very important decision. It's very personal. Um, it's very complicated. A lot of times it has to do with um, health and diet. It has, it's emotional. Um, sometimes it's even religious, you know. And that's not something that I really want to – it's a little far off from my normal campaign. So, right. you know, I want people to care about the bay and whatever it is they choose to eat. You know, I've got friends that are vegetarians and vegans. I've been a vegetarian at different points in my life, um, you know. And so it, it changes as well. And I'm not going to advocate a particular – diet or um, uh, lifestyle as far as, as far as what people are going to eat. But I do encourage them to seek out smart choices, uh -huh. to try a variety of food, to try to support local industries, local markets, um, because that's how we're going to get the most benefit out of our own local Chesapeake Bay. <laughs> So you said you like oysters. I do like oysters. We're going to test you out. Okay. What, what's your favorite oyster? What's my favorite oyster? Yeah. Oh, you know, I would love to be one of those connoisseurs <laughs> that has one of those delectable palates that can tell that, you know, it's a little grittier from one section of the bay or a little saltier from right. another area. And, you know, I've been to many of the fine restaurants, and I've had wonderful, wonderful people share with me some absolutely delicious oysters. You know, but you know, you know how there's some people out there that like their steak well done, and it makes all their right. everybody cringe. You know, I love hot sauce. Oh. I love hot sauce and wasabi on my oysters. Wow. And I know there's a lot of fancy oyster connoisseurs out there that are like, oh, you're ruining the taste. You're <laughs> oh, you're doing that steak well done. That's no, so naughty, naughty. <laughs> but you know, this mermaid can only talk about her personal palate no, no. she loves hot sauce okay. do you have a favorite hot sauce <laughs> do i have a favorite hot sauce yeah. well you know i love be more saucy be have okay. you heard of be more I saucy yeah. Have, yeah be more saucy is absolutely wonderful and they're also doing a lot of wonderful things for the chesapeake bay uh -huh. they started um you know if you buy some of their hot sauces they give money back to the chesapeake bay savers oh, who are great. here in annapolis and they're um, there are a group of volunteers. I've met some of those folks doing um, oyster cage cleaning and things right. like that. I've got friends all over the place. If you, you can't do. tell already. You, do. you get around. <laughs> I do get around. <laughs> you know, this tail gets around. <laughs> oh, wait. Maybe not like that. Maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay. Uh... Next question. These are really good, by the way. 
And you know what? It's great that we laugh. No doubt. We got to, right? <laughs> got to. Uh, so how do, <clears throat> how in the bigger picture, yes. how do oysters affect our habitat? How do they affect our habitat? Oh, yeah. my goodness. Well, what don't they do, really? You know, if, if anybody has wants to take a look at my book, uh, The Last Bivalvian, I tell the history of the Chesapeake Bay and the importance of oysters. Um, so I'm trying to convey some of this to the kids. But, um, you know, oysters, they, they filter the water. So they're going to take in a lot of that excess algae. You know, a little bit of algae is okay, but we've got so many chemicals floating around out there, it's turned into kind of this big stew. We've got way, way too much algae. Um, so, you know, building back the, the, the oyster population is going to help with some of that, um, to help clean some of that up. Um, it's also helping to... Um, remember I said about the, the, the foundation of the Chesapeake right, Bay, the right. bottom of the Chesapeake Bay, how much we've changed that. You know, it's going to help that. Um, the, the oyster reefs, they're, they're hard as rocks. You know, and they build all these little nooks and crannies. They make homes for the animals. Everything is all integrated in there. And they just have this absolute magical ability of just bringing back the balance because they have all of that connectivity to all of the, the different wildlife because um, it's a great uh, breaker for um, the water coming in, the waves, any storms and things like that. It prevents erosion. It also protects um, our, our bay grasses. You know, you've heard, you've heard a lot, too, about the bay grass restoration. Right. That's right. another thing um, that's been going on. Um, there's, oh, my goodness, my phone's ringing. Look at that. I'm sorry. Hope that's waterproof. There we go. So could you tell me a little bit more about the, the bay grass? Oh, yes, the bay grasses. It's a wonderful thing. You know, I've actually done some of the bay grass programs with the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, mostly down um, in the Virginia side of things with the Brock Environmental Center. Um, but it's it's a great way to get the grasses back into the bay. Um, sometimes it's hard to get them to really thrive on their own, but what they're doing is they, they take the seeds from them each season, season, they distribute them amongst a bunch of volunteers. We grow them in tanks at home with lights and bubbles and all kinds of fun things Fancy. like that. And um, we go back out to, say, the James River, and we plant all of these seagrasses again. Um, but you know what? It's a great habitat. That's where a lot of the fish come and they lay their eggs. You know, they talk about the Chesapeake Bay being a natural nursery. Right. And it's so true because it's so broad. It's so shallow. You know, the Chesapeake Bay really is, you can just think of it as, um, you know, the, the river valley from the old Susquehanna River. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it was. So, you know, all of these all of these animals, these, these fish and things, um, rays and, and lots of other things like that, they, they come back in on a migratory cycle and they come in to um, the grass beds, they come up into the rivers and that's where they lay their eggs, that's where all the babies are born. Um, you know, our crabs really, you know, our blue crabs have been really struggling to look for some habitat and they're, they're right. going to be there in all of the bay grasses as well. So, you know, um, having the oyster reefs in areas where it's protecting all of that soft bottom that the, the bay grasses grow in really is just, it's all part of this wonderful, wonderful cycle that we have going on. So, yeah, you know, if, if people are interested in the bay grass program, I do post volunteer opportunities for those as well. We're kind of getting into the season where they're going to be planting the grasses. Mm -hmm. So people will have to wait until next fall or winter if they want to grow some bay grasses of, of their own at home. But it's a great thing. That sounds like a hard process, growing and planting. Well, not maybe not the growing, but definitely planting. Like Because 
the the uh, it's soft, like where you're planting it, right? So it, what's the survival rate, or you know what I mean? What's the survival? You know, I I don't know the exact numbers, right. um, but it it is pretty tricky. You know, we okay. go out there and um, we're very careful where we step. You know, we don't gotcha. want to harm any of the grasses that are already there. We try to pick areas that um, are pretty sparse where we want the where we want the big grasses to spread to. Um, you know, and and we uh, we float. Um, we float bins out that have um, the baskets with the with the bay grasses and stuff that we've grown. So mm -hmm. um, we're we're not damaging the bottom with a lot of heavy equipment or anything like that. And certainly having volunteer, you know, soft hands and things like that mm -hmm. is going to be better than better than any machine that they bring out there to do that kind of thing. Right. So Perfect. yeah. I've learned something else. <laughs> I love it. I love learning. There you go. See, right here on uh, Oyster Ninja Podcast. <laughs> you know, we're exploring the other things associated with oysters. Exactly. We're getting into bay grasses and blue crabs, all, the, yeah. all these other Chesapeake love Bay it. That's things. That's what it's all about, you know, yeah. ninja style. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your book. Yeah, my because book. Because I love the book. You did. I'm going to read it to my son. Oh, I've got it. I've got it. Where? Where? Right here. Here it is. The Last Bivalvian. The Last Bivalvian. Yeah, you've got it right there in your hand. The Story by the Chesapeake Mermaid. Yeah. This is great. And, um... <laughs> So, like I said, it's about the history of the Chesapeake Bay and the importance of oysters. But it's not just a story. You know, one of the things that I always liked about storybooks when I was a little fry was having maps. So there's a couple maps in there. There's a magical map of the past of, the, of what the Chesapeake Bay used to look like a long, long time ago, back wow. when, when I was a little fry. And then there's a, a map of today with landmarks, oyster look landmarks, where people can go and they can see some of uh, the restoration work that's being done. They can uh, contribute in different volunteer ways. And then in the back of the book, we have some book. real facts. Real life. Um, what was that? Real life facts. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also some uh, information about what you can do Ooh. to help larvae and the oysters. And it's a variety of things, but um, there there are different things that are on a kid's level, like um, participating with um, different cleanup groups at maybe a beach or a park. But there's also things in their day-to-day -day life, like maybe using less plastic, skipping a, a plastic spoon if they don't need one, or, or skipping a straw. You know, these are all little things that we can do. And some people say we're past doing the little things. We need to be doing bigger things. I will right. never say right. that the little things don't matter you know it's all about the individual it's all about all of us making the changes and doing the best that we can and that is what I promote um, I really want people to get a good feel for um, being connected to their home you know there, were, there weren't enough uh, resources you know uh, I, I used to um, work in a touch tank I used to mm -hmm. teach kids about all the different fish that they might see down at the, the seashore. I've also worked um, in wildlife rescue, and I've seen the different animals coming in from the front lines, the different ways that they run into contact with humans and things like that. And, you know, it's, it's always what I want to stress to people is just having that connectivity, um, you know, getting resources to kids where they can learn more about the environment, and then they can go out on their own and they can explore um, having ways that 
Um, they can study the different kinds of fish. You know, if, if these resources aren't available because you know, everybody's doing national grants and national programs and things like that, I really think it's something that we need to focus on and getting people back into more of the local resources. And then, you know, they grow up feeling more connected to their environment. They're more likely to go out and volunteer right. on a Saturday and really get involved. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. If you, you know, if you start young, you know, it'll stick with you, yeah. you know, as you get older. And kids grow up so fast. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, at ChesapeakeMermaid.com, uh, you know, is is um, about eight years old now. Um, and I've been out there engaging people and talking to them um, at events for about three years. And that means that the kids that were five years old when I first started, you know, they're eight now. Right. You know, there's a big difference between what a five-year-old and an eight-year-old can talk about and can understand, but I can tell that they've already been impacted. You know, they're excited to talk about it. They want to know more, um, you know, and the more resources we can give them, the better they're going to grow. That's awesome. So, if I have this correct, so Larvae? Yes. He's the last of his kind. Yes, he's the last magical bivalve, and he's right over here. Why don't you come on out, Larvae? Come on out, he is. Nice to meet you. Yes. And the reason um, we talk about the bivalvians in our book um, is not just because the bivalvians are important and magical just as much as mermaids are. They're really fun to talk about, right? right. Yeah. But the bivalvian story could be the story of the oysters because the bivalvians are related to the oysters. But you know what? By talking about the bivalvians, we bypass all the political stuff mm -hmm. that we have to deal with with the oysters. So the kids can relate to the bivalvians. You know, they're these magical creatures. And certainly his name is Larvae because guess what? He looks like an oyster larvae. He does. So he's got all of these funny little shaggy <laughs> hairs on his face. No doubt. And these are his cilia, which is kind of a silly word. But it's fun to say. Right. And so he can he can still move. He can move around as long as he has enough magic. Right. But the bivalvians, their magic was depleted. And as there became less and less of them, they they fell further and further apart. Right. And so they eventually all disappeared. Now, there may be more bivalvians somewhere in the world I, I don't so. know about. Right. I would really love to find them, yeah. too. And, you know, maybe if we build better habitats for the oysters... Maybe we'll get some bivalvians to right. come back, too. And you know what? The mermaids used to be around, and it got difficult for them as well to live here. And many of them moved on. I stayed because, well, I was just too curious for my own good, and I went off to take care of some animals and got right. lost. Yeah. But, you know, maybe if we make the bay a little better, we'll see some more mermaids uh, here as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> So, have you met any interesting people or scientists or, you know, anybody oh, like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, well, I've met tons of interesting people in all kinds of uh, backgrounds and walks of life. But, you know, some of the scientists that I've, I've met from the Bay have such interesting stories, you know. Um, quite a few of them came here in the 60s. Um, for work, you know, they, they studied the Chesapeake Bay. They knew a lot about it, and they were really excited. They, you know, were part of these programs. They really thought they were going to turn it around, and they worked hard, and they, they've tried, and they failed, and, you know, there's there's been so many changes over the years, and, and I've talked to some of them, and, and, and their story is a little bit sad because they say, you know, I, I came here with such optimism, and I feel like over my lifetime, 
um, all that I've succeeded in doing is documenting the decline. And, you know, that, that really breaks my heart. Um, but, you know, they, they still have hope that there's going to be a change out there. And that's part of my mission, right, mm -hmm. is in trying to find our next generation of hopefuls. You know, if these scientists are getting older and are unable to do the things that they used to be able to do, you know, I, I don't want them to feel like their knowledge is wasted. I want that to be passed down. I want them, I want us to be able to learn from all of their experiences and what it is that they've done. And I, I don't feel... Um, that it's, it's a lost cause, you know, but I do think it's something that we need to get together on. And I, you know, you never know uh, what background or what walk of life um, the, the solution is going to come from. It might be a waterman, it might be a scientist, it might be, um, you know, a kid in school right now playing with crayons. He's right. going to grow up and he is going to have that answer. So, you know, I don't like to leave anybody out. You know, because like I like I said in the beginning, what we're all in this together, right? We're all looking for a better bay. Yeah. Um, thank you. Is there anything you would like to add? Anything, anything else want, I'd like to I, add? Did I miss anything? Well, you know, I just love meeting you today. You thank know, you. I don't know how we haven't met before. I've been to so many oyster events. I feel like we've been two degrees. It's probably we've been walking past each other. Exactly. Or I walked and you kind of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's probably so. I'm sure of it. But, yeah, we we know now. So I'm going to have my eyes out now. I'm going to have my silly out there, you know, feeling. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for um, coming out today. And, thank uh, you. And check out ChesapeakeMermaid.com. Um, follow me on Facebook. That's a, my primary means of communication, um, Chesapeake Mermaid on Facebook. I'm also uh, Chesapeake Mermaid on Twitter mm -hmm. and uh, Chesapeake Mermaid on Instagram. And the book is where? Where can we get the book? Oh, the book is on the website and it's also on Amazon. So you go to slash shop. <laughs> You can remember that, can't you? Right. That's where you can get uh, your copies of the book. They're on hardback and on paperback. Um, and if you come out to any of my events, you can meet me, and you can get a book and I'll autograph it for Ooh, you, Oh, fancy. So, see, there's a bonus. <laughs> well, thank you very and much. And you need to bring me some hot sauce. Yeah, you know, saucy. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. But, yeah, no doubt. We'll, we'll talk. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right, good people. So did I tell you or did I tell you? Another great episode, and you finally get to meet the Chesapeake Bay Mermaid, if you haven't already. So uh, that's it for me. Uh, I don't think there's any really big oyster events going on or anything this week or next week. Um, uh, if you're in D.C., of course, like I said, Go uh, follow us on our D.C. Oyster Meetup group. Um, I'll put the, the link in the uh, comments. And, um, yeah, just stay tuned. The next episode is going to be another good one. We're talking about oyster nutrition. And I'm thinking about, uh, you know, usually the episode's been biweekly. I'm thinking about going back-to-back -back for the next couple weeks. Because I got my birthday coming up at the end of the month, and uh, I don't want to put any pressures on me, you know what I mean? But I still want to get you guys some great con content. So, uh, as always, you know, if you want to 
send me an email. The email is oysterninjapc at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Facebook, uh, it's Oyster Ninja, The Oyster Ninja Podcast. Instagram is Oyster Ninja PC. Um, yeah, like and follow us. It's always something going out on the Facebook post. I'm always putting, I mean, the Facebook page, I'm always putting, uh, you know, oyster news up so you can stay hip, you know, with the oyster game. Uh, this weekend was Shigatig's Oyster Festival, I believe. I wish I could have made it down there, but you know, gotta work. And, uh, they don't ever want to hire me to shuck. I don't know, you know, I'm from the Eastern Shore. Uh, I felt like I'm about to go on a rant, so I'm just gonna leave that one alone. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you guys for listening. Uh, stay tuned for the next one.